Hello and welcome to Play DNA. I'm your host, Damon. I'm Cassandra. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be talking about mathiness, whatever that means. We'll talk about what that means later. <laughs> uh, what did we play this week? We didn't play too much. Um, we played a couple games of Wormwood, which is your game. And then we tried to play Dwellings of Eldervale with a couple of friends. And that is the biggest game that we own. It's an enormous box. Which means physically heavy. It's enormous. Uh, but compared to the size, it's not that complex of a game. But also, because we've played so many games, we've kind of lost touch with what is a complicated game and what's a simple game. So we sold this game to our friends as, oh, it's big, but it's pretty simple. But then as we were explaining the rules, I realized... You know, I saw that look, you know, the glaze over oh, yeah. on their faces. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And I, we didn't know whether to, like, turn around and back out or, like, to keep plunging forwards. And so we, we plunged forwards and, and the game was not finished because <laughs> it was just they're having trouble and it was, they're getting tired. And so um, not the best choice. Oh, I'm so sorry. What did you play? We played Exit the Enchanted Forest, which was my favorite Exit game I've ever played because there wasn't... Oh, wow. There was no red herrings, like, at all, which was great because it was just very straightforward. We finished the box in, like, an hour, like it was intended. We got, like, 9 out of 10 stars, which is, like, the first time I've ever gotten that in an Exit game. It was just a good Exit game. Highly recommend that one. And then we played a couple games of Rainbow Pirates. With a bigger group, which is more fun than just playing with two people. It's uh, interesting. Lots of player interaction. You, These rainbow pirates, if they get on your island, they're worth five points. And then you try to make rainbows out of the cards you have. Wait, so the, it's You're not making rainbow- rainbows out of pirates? There's specific called, called cards called rainbow pirate cards, which the rainbow pirates look like what you would expect a rainbow pirate to look like. Their beard is like a rainbow. Wait, so there's three kinds of cards. There's rainbows, pirates, and rainbow pirates? There's rainbow pirates, and then there's like regular cards from like one to seven that make up the deck, but each card, like ones, twos, threes, and fours, make up a different color of the rainbow. So oh. to go out, you have to make two complete rainbows. So, And then finally, uh, we played this game called Poison, but it's also titled Friday the 13th. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a very old Reiner Knizia game. I don't think they make it anymore, but you have cauldrons and you're adding to the cauldrons. It's very fun. And I think you can make it by yourself if you just had three decks of cards. I mean, that's a lot of decks of cards, but you could totally make it yourself. And it's a very fun trick taking game that plays up to five people. So it's, it's hmm. a quite a good game. If anyone's interested, um, I think on board game geek, you must look it up under Friday the 13th. It's not. I don't know where Glenn got the box that said poison. It, it's not that game, so I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, highly recommend that one as well. It's a pretty good game. All right, let's talk mathiness. Uh, I'm going to talk about Dwellings of Elderville later on because that's like what inspired the mathiness discussion. Hmm. Um, mathiness doesn't have a very strong definition. It's generally just Is it a real about, word? Um, it might be. I mean, maths <laughs> is a word that we don't use yes. in this country, but is used in most countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure mathiness is probably a word. But in the terms of board games, mathiness is used to describe 
what it sounds like, the mathiness of the board game. So all gamers, functionally, almost all games, are composed of numerical systems. So like a, a deck of cards is just a number system. Um, even a, a chess game can be reduced to a numerical grid. Uh, mathiness is more in terms of how much math your brain is going to have to do while playing a game. Yeah. Right? And we've talked about this in a previous design episode where we talk about uh, the short-term memory of human beings not really well designed for doing like mathematical computation inside of games. You're, you really shouldn't use numbers bigger than nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but mathiness in terms of like modern game design, and particularly talking about games over the last five years, um, seems to me to talk about more about the point salad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> definitely like two very different groups when you relate to point salad, whether or not people are really into the point salad or really not into point salad stuff. Did either of you play the game Point Salad? Mm-hmm. I, I own the game Point Salad and I like it, I think, more than you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been playing Point Salad since you got it? Mm, we've played it five or six times since I bought it. I think it's a really clever name, but it doesn't improve the Point Salad mechanic. It makes it faster. Just by calling it Point Salad. But can you kind of explain what Point Salad is? So Point Salad is an idea that is exemplified in this game Point Salad. Um <laughs> which is a game where it's these little salad cards. things, salad cards, mm-hmm. um, each of which has a different method of scoring points as well as it itself being used as one of those methods to score points. Um, so any given vegetable might uh, be used in, I'm going to call it a recipe, but they, they don't call them recipes, but they really should. <laughs> uh, used in a recipe or itself be used as a recipe in order to store other cards and thus grant you points. Um, so everything in the game is worth some amount of points, uh, but depending on how those cards are combined, they're going to give you more or less points, mm-hmm. right? Depending on which recipe you're using. Right. I don't know what it calls it in the game. Um, this is how point salad games work, and modern Euro games are, I would say, overwhelmingly uh, worker placement point salad games. Yeah, games where you start with a, a number of workers. You may gain more workers as the game progresses. You place those workers onto action spaces, and everything you do is going to generate some amount of points. And your goal is simply to optimize your point generation methodology, right? And so Point Salad is just a card game version of that where it takes the Point Salad endgame, the scoring, and makes the whole game just that scoring system. But these Euro games have a whole game that leads to this end game structure. Um, and I'm starting to have kind of an issue with that. And that's where we get to Dwellings of Eldervale, where when we played that, I started to realize after the second play, because the first time we did it with two players just to get it, mm-hmm. to, to test it and see how it worked. And now playing with more, it became more obvious this is like very, this is a very point salady game. Everything we're doing, like every action you do, you could be blindfolded and still gain points. Uh, and that, to me, doesn't exemplify a good game design and particularly harms the ability to sort of teach teach these games. So And, and as, a, as a player, I feel like point salad games are confusing to me because it doesn't give me any good sense of which direction I should be aiming. It makes it feel like, oh, well, whatever you do, you're going to be getting points, so I'll just kind of choose whatever is easiest for me or whatever makes sense in the moment. But the fact of the matter is there's a good way to make points and there's a not good way to make points. And 
if it's not indicating to you, especially the first time you play a game, you don't have a good sense of how many points you could end up with at the end of the game. So you might have like 20 points and think, oh, I'm doing really good. And then you end the game and another person has 70 points. It's like, oh God, I, I really got that wrong. Um, I didn't understand the scale of things. And that's the main issue, I think, with point salad games is you you feel like you're progressing because you're making points, but the points are often meaningless because you have settled for an inferior way of point creation. <laughs> Whereas you should have been continuing to explore and exploiting the system and figuring out, oh, I can make way more points if I'm doing this. So definitely appeals to a certain kind of person, and I don't think I'm that kind of person. What do you think of point salad games that aren't the game point salad? Mm, I tend to not like them very much. And before... Before I bought the game point salad, I didn't even realize this was a term in like the board game community. <laughs> so uh, my friend had to point it out to me. He was like, oh, that's kind of a funny pun. And it is a salad game. So that's, you know, it's a salad, but it's also working on the pun of the games that I had no idea that was the mechanic they were using. But yeah, I, I just find games like Terra Mystica and also like the Castles of Burgundy and stuff like that very annoying to play with experts. Because they already know how to get the points and you don't, like you said. And so it's like either you copy their strategy or you're kind of just playing the first time and just knowing you're going to lose. And that's not always fun. So but yeah. those games still don't have like the excessive point salad like tally up at the end where you tally up like a dozen different variations on what is this, the, the same thing, which is just. And you really have no idea where you stand. Right, right. That's kind of where we're coming in here is like games where you just have no clue where people are in terms of who's winning and who's not because everything everyone has done is generating points. So you can't look at something and say that person is definitely doing better. Or that person's definitely doing better. I mean, sometimes you do, but then you're totally wrong at the end of the game. True. And there are plenty of games where that works fine. The mathiness problem is how much of like your brain is taken up by that. So in the game we just played... Um, Dwellings of Eldervale. Dwellings of Eldervale. Mm -hmm. A lot of your brain is taken up by adding things that are, they're simple math. You're essentially just addition. Um, but trying to like estimate what is the best course of action out of a half dozen different variations on the same theme, which is just this gives you points, this gives you points, this gives you points, this gives you points, is exhausting both to play and to teach. The the thing that we identified, I think, we didn't finish the game. We got like two thirds of the way through a game, and then we had to stop. And it was it was pretty long, and it was that the game had zero failure points in its mechanics, and so as a result, there was no real way to explain what was the right or wrong thing to do. So we had a player that kept asking, like, every time I'd explain one of the major mechanics in the game, she would ask, like, "Is that good?" <laughs> and I'd be like, well, yeah, it's good. And then she'd just ask, you know, I'd explain the next mechanic, and then she'd ask again, like, is that good? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's good. But then I realized after a while, I was like, it, she's not totally wrong in that she's trying to suss out the, the failure point. What is the, the bad action, right? And if, if every action is good for you, then there's no way to identify, like, what you should be doing at any given time because right. there's no way to avoid failure when there is no failure, right? Failure is just getting slightly less points than you could have gotten. There's no, like, fast track to hell <laughs> in, yeah. in this game. And most modern Euro games, these, these worker placement point salad games, kind of have this issue. The first time I saw it was with Scythe. Um, 
and it's very like subtle in that game, but it's definitely got a point salady thing going on there where there's so many different ways to score points that nothing you do is going to harm you that much. And so you can kind of take any avenue in any given time and you might not win, but you'll at least be constantly moving forwards. You're not going to be moving backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, it's gotten more and more and more in, in the realm of complexity. You've got more complexity, longer rules, generally longer games, and more and more even points where I think that if I was blindfolded and I started playing the game and just started, as long as I was performing legal rule, legal moves, uh, I think I would be able to do okay. It's so easy to not pay attention to what everybody else is doing the whole time. Mm. Uh, and later on you realize, oh, while I was doing this thing, they were doing this other thing and they won a lot quicker than I ever could have. And it's because I just chose to ignore this part of the game I feel like that's what I do a lot of times in point salad games. And I think that's what you're supposed to do in point salad games. You're supposed to kind of choose one thing to do or one thing to like really focus on and get good at that. But then somebody else finds a better thing to focus on and they win and you have no idea how because you never even did that thing. <laughs> you know, if there are like 15 different things you can do on a board, you can't do all of them. And one person just made a better choice at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. I think that at the core, it's balance at the expense of intuition. Mm. It became a really, it was was hard to teach the game because I was trying to explain it in terms of, you know, like anything that's intuitive, naturally intuitive. And nothing in the game is naturally intuitive because you can't, you're not really avoiding anything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it becomes so like circular and spirally trying to explain how the game works because it always works. As long as you're not breaking the rules, you're you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so as a result, that game has these cards you were dealt at the beginning of the game and you got dealt a bunch of cards that had these quests that you had to do, mm-hmm. right? And lots of these games will have this where they try and get around the mathiness of the game and the difficulty in trying to, of trying to like parse everything in your brain by giving you these quest cards that sort of lead you down a specific path. And theoretically, that's a good idea, but it just adds even more complexity to try and balance out a system that is already inelegant and weighty for no reason. It's a good idea if it gives you a sense of character, but my quests were all completely different and not necessarily fun. Like one of them was lose a battle and you'll gain three points. It's like, that's a great example of fun. That's a great example. I had one that said, if I have a bunch of characters that are dead, as many characters as possible are dead. And then I get points for that. Then again, Blood Rage yes. has a similar mechanic where you can get rewarded for the number of people, number of your people who die. Right. But I but actually that's a central, liked it. It's a central theme of the yeah, game. Yeah, it's a central theme and it's also a mechanic of the game. So it's it's something that you can kind of choose to do. I chose when we were playing Blood Rage to be the person who just let all their people die all the time. And it was great because it was a personality at that point. It was like, okay, the game's going to allow me to do this, so I'm going to do it. And everybody's going to be super confused because they're like, why does she keep fighting these battles that she can't win until they realize that I can get all these points just for letting all my people die? Right. And that's the advantage of point-solid games if they're done well, which is you can choose a personality 
and make points doing something that you find fun. Mathiness isn't inherently a problem. It's just when it's there solely to balance out a system rather than add thematic variation. Yeah. Right? So it's not like the mathiness problem exists in a vacuum. It's just when it's only there to take an equation and add balance to the other side, which is really what it's there to do. It's there to make sure that everything is even to the point where new players are adjusted for so that they can play the game and that uh, like wild variations in starting scenarios are also balanced out so that you can't like end up in a situation where you simply cannot gain points. Um, but it's at the expense of thematic explanation where I, I can't explain why you would do this in the real world because oh, there no. is no real world explanation. Yeah. In, in Blood Rage, the explanation is this whole Viking theme they have going on where like right. everybody gains things from losses because that's just how their theme works. They yeah. have a whole explanation and the, everything sort of revolves around the afterlife in that game. So it all makes sense and is explained and you can explain it to new players and it's not just there to balance out the system. It does balance a lot of the system, but it's not just there to balance it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of these point salad things come in where uh, there are elements that are just added solely to balance stuff. Um, I used to, I don't know if I've ever used this example during the podcast, but Everdell was a great example where there is a mechanic in Everdell where you gain points by discarding cards. Yeah. And that is solely an, a balancing mechanic to try and balance out the fact that you might draw too many cards and have cards you don't need and need to draw cards you don't have and need to gain points. So they added all of those things together and made it a central structural mechanic, but there's no thematic explanation for it. it just It's just there. At the bottom of your little player card, you can do this thing. And then at the end of the game, everybody's going to do it, even though it has no explanation, just to balance out the system. Right, it's just like a random thing that occurs um, and adds a whole other scoring system that has nothing to do with the thematic elements of the game. That one's not particularly difficult to explain, but really hard to remember because your brain doesn't think of it automatically. And in this Dwellings of Eldervale game, like basically none of the components have any thematic explanation. No. So every point path of which there are many all have that kind of problem. Yeah. They're very serpentine and difficult to explain or understand. Yeah. This happened when I played Caverna. Um, Years after we got Agricola, uh, Caverna came out. And it is essentially the same game as Agricola, which is very well-famed and won lots of awards. Um, But it adds this separate thing. If you haven't played Agricola, Agricola is like a farming game. You're these like 17th century farmers and you can starve in the game. So you've got these. It's a great game. These little farming people. You start with two little farmers, and uh, if you don't have enough crops to last, then you will like take little starvation tokens at the end of the game, and you can fail in that game. Like you could functionally end the game with negative points. Mm-hmm. Um, in Caverna, it adds one extra mechanic on top of it, an additional little point salady thing, um, where you like dig in a mine because you're dwarves instead of just farmers. And it makes it so that the starvation mechanic is no longer nearly as punishing. It's very, very hard to enter into a failure loop in that game. Um, It's fundamentally almost the same game, but because it takes away the failure loop, it becomes this point-sality churn um, that removes a lot of the 
like impetus in the game to get away from problem areas mm. because everything is going to generate every everything in the game always generates points but you don't no longer need to like desperately generate points in order to feed yourself right um and to me it kind of ruined the game and a lot of people really like caverna but a lot of people really like all of these worker placement point salad games they're very popular well. they're very very yeah. popular obviously yeah. they're selling very well like it is it is definitely like a minority opinion that these are not excellent systems. Um, but a lot of people do have the problem with the mathiness because it's like the the cones of Dunshire problem. <laughs> like the mathiness creates that system of trying to explain like random nonstop mechanics that are just sort of like piling on top of each other, right? And you need these long um, like user explanation sheets for every player to explain yeah. each and every scoring mechanic that's going to occur at the end of the game and like how they're going to work and all that stuff. Like that's the back of every card now. Yeah, is that stuff? Um, but we just played Fantasy Realms like what two weeks ago? Yeah, a few weeks ago. And Fantasy Realms was super good, and that is definitely like a point salad game, right? But it's a point salad game where you're controlling the salad. I think you're always controlling the salad, <laughs> but I think Fantasy Realms was good because it was very strongly thematic, and you could choose, you could say, you know what, I really like this dragon. I'm going to build my entire hand around this dragon. and Or you could say, I want to collect all of the animals, or, you know, whatever it is. Or, like, Sarah was specifically only trying to get this one queen there's gems oh she's trying to get this one gem of course there was only one gem in the game and so her whole system was and i won based on that and you won right yes it was almost impossible but you still you still succeeded and that focus was fun like the focus was fun and like in the end when she revealed that this was her strategy the the entire time it was funny because there's there's a thematic uh like there's a thematic story there Right. And we could all choose something based on our personalities, too. Sarah I guess chose what I mean, the gem. I chose to keep this dragon because I thought it was cool. What I mean by the idea that you control the, the mathiness in that game, you control the salad, is that you start the game with like seven cards or eight cards, and then you'll narrow down your hand by, by playing and discarding a card every turn uh, until you have this sort of tableau in front of you. Mm -hmm. But the whole range of point ideas, which is like 60 different point salad structures, all of those systems are not available to you at all times. That's true. They're not. Right. They're not just sitting out in front of you in front of like a sheet that explains everything and how it works. Right, right. You're never going to have access to all of the point salads. That's true. So You're Just looking at the cards you have in your hand, choosing a couple that you think might work together, and then... Focusing your strategy on that one thing. Yeah. So I think that that works, and I don't have an issue with that at all. And I think that works fine. That was a good game. Yeah. And that was easy to explain. Uh, Very really easy to game, explain yeah. because it's just you just start going, and you didn't have to start by explaining all of the different systems and how you score. Yeah. And I think that's a good indication that a game is going to have real mathy problems is when you have to start the game by explaining all of the different systems of which you're going to the score without having like any intuition on how that's going to work. Yeah. Right. So I don't really have a conclusion for this because these games are still being made. They're going to keep gaming. They're going to keep being made. And a lot of people like them. I think it's just the for people who are excited about theme in their games and people who maybe are playing games more for stories or more for social reasons. Um, the point salad games are not going to be as fun. I think, like we've said before, the 
the trend is heading towards games that look like they have stories, kind of sound like they have stories because their Kickstarters or sell sheets have story on them. Mm-hmm. And they have writers, but the story and, and theme are not connected at all. Yeah. And instead of being about 19th century German towns where you don't expect story... In here, you expect the story to be part of the mechanical structure of the game, and it's just not the case. And they are just all these worker placement point salad games with like a story you read at the beginning that has nothing to do with the The, the actual gameplay, right. yeah. And it, it's starting to become an issue sort of in purchasing stuff because if you haven't played it in its entirety before you've purchased a game, it can be very, very hard to tell if the theme is incorporated at all. Because like the Dwellings of Eldervale game, um, if you bought the thing on Kickstarter and got all the Kickstarter rewards... That game had, I mean, I don't know how many miniatures, but like 12 miniatures, like big plastic miniatures. And plenty of story. None of that has anything to do with the game. No. None of that is necessary for the game. None of that reflects anything in the structure mechanics of the game. Like none of that is reflected in that at all. Um, It's a completely separate thing that lays on top of like an underlying system that could just as easily be an abstract game with little, like, little gems. (laughs) (laughs) It probably was at some point, like an abstract layout of just math yeah just a bunch of numbers just just hanging out um so i don't know i'm not sure what to say about that but do you want more or less mathy games i i think less is more if you can come up with a clever (laughs) mechanic without having to use like every single ingredient in the kitchen sink then i think it's better (laughs) the the opposite way yeah well if you like mathy games tell us how much much you like mathy games and why uh, and if they're an improvement on older games, Ameritrash stuff, old Euro games that weren't nearly as mathy and bitsy. Uh, and if you don't, let us know. Let us know what you think about mathy games, uh, point salad games, and point salad the game, <laughs> um, which I wouldn't really include with the rest of these worker placement point salad things, but uh, is a great example of sort of extrapolating from the, the current metagame in board gaming. Uh, you can find our other episodes or you can shoot us a message at our website, which is playdnapodcast.com. And as always, play safe, play often, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>